My name is Kathy. Steve introduced me. I'm on staff here at SCUM, and I have been on staff for about seven years now. I've been at SCUM for about 10 years now, um, and I've seen it change a lot. We've gone through a lot as a community, um, and I'm sure we will continue to see it change because we are humans and we change, and so that will happen. Um, I wanted to start off with this poem, this song that uh, my sister-in-law wrote, and so I want to read that to you. I'm opening it up. She, she texted it to me, um, so I'm reading it from my text messages. When will I be a vessel beautiful enough to be used, shiny enough to be seen, faithful enough to be reshaped, bold enough to withstand the refining fire, secure enough to be filled, patient enough to allow what's within to seep into me, vulnerable enough to be held, strong enough to be drank from, humble enough to be emptied, trusted enough to be filled again. I feel like a muddy mess, a muddy mess in the potter's hands. Sometimes I can feel the molding and see how tall I stand in my regal beauty. I can feel where, where I've been smoothed, where I've been etched. I can sense where I've been imprinted with the name of my creator. Other times I feel myself caving in, fear taking over, confidence shifting its weight. There are moments I feel myself breaking just when I thought I was ready, ready for the kiln. At times I feel myself resisting the shaping. I had my own ideas of what I wanted to look like, how I wanted to be used. Some days I feel like I'm just melting into a muddy mess. I don't recognize this vessel. This dripping mess, some days there is no sense of anything worth being formed. There are days I just don't feel enough. I'm tired of being touched, tired of being pressed, tired of willing myself into something more. Maybe I'll just lay here in the potter's hands, a shapeless vessel, a muddy mess. There's a rawness in the mess, a slippery mudslide, no control. I don't like being here in this place any longer. I don't know, maybe I'm just wallowing in self-pity. Maybe I'm just waiting for the kiss. Waving my white flag, okay, I surrender. When my sister-in-law sent this to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so how I feel. That so resonates with me, this like muddy, dripping mess in the potter's hands. And I think it's a beautiful image, which is probably why it stuck out to me so much. To be a muddy mess. There's a rawness in the mess, as she says, but there's beauty in the mess. Well, what we call mess, God calls masterpiece, right? Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we, do, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we here at SCUM, we can resonate with that, right? We can, there's a reason why we're all drawn to this place, scum of the earth. 
a place for the lame wads and the rejects, right? Is that what it says back there? All of us have felt like that at one point or another, I'm sure. Um, There was one time I told a friend here, I was like, I just, I feel like I don't fit in. She's like, exactly. That's all of us here. (laughs) Like, you know? And I was like, oh, oh, I guess so. And so we've been reading this, this, um, this Corinthians passage. I'm assuming the, my PowerPoint didn't go through. I sent it from Keynote as a Keynote. Yeah, all right. Well, that's all right. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. You know what I kept thinking? I kept thinking I would leave my notes at home. I was, like, so afraid that I would leave them at home. And I'm like, okay, God, I had to surrender this before even coming here, thinking that whatever God wanted to say, he would say, um, whether it was on my notes or not. So he must not have wanted the PowerPoint. Uh, that's, that's a story I'm going to tell myself at least. So, um, but we've been reading this scum passage, this Corinthians chapter 4. Can we bring that one up at least just while I'm talking? Um, and then I've got other passages that I'm going to refer to. So we might just have to old school it and wait and pause while you all open it in your apps or in your Bible. Um, But we've been reading this passage for this month, um, and a lot of us, it's our battle cry. It's like we, we so identify with being scum of the earth. For some, I think it's lost its weight. Maybe it never even had any weight on some. And, and for others, I, I don't know if we even really know what it means at all, this passage. So I do want to delve into it a little deeper, if we can. And I, I want to give you a little bit of context. So first, Paul is writing the Corinthian church from, I want to say this, because it's been said in different ways of like this sarcasm, and he's really, that comes off, right, in the, when you read it, like, oh, you're so wise, you know. There is that, but we so often put our own tone into scripture when we're reading it, and I really want to stress that Paul is coming from a standpoint of love. He even references them like they're his children, the Corinthians, like he is a father figure to them. And so he's coming from this, this standpoint of love, They are his friends, his family. And that is why he is so concerned to hear about their struggles. There's major division going on in the Corinthian church in this time when he's writing this letter. Some are on Team Paul. Some are on Team Apollos. um, Both amazing leaders of Christ. Um, But there's division. And I was thinking about this with scum. I remember there was a time when, when people would ask me, are you Team Mike? Or are you Team Jesse? And so then by the time Dave was leading, he felt no one was on his team because that was the language people were using. I'm so glad that we had this confession and repentance last week and that we can carry that on. Um, because I, I remember that as I was reading this letter to the Corinthians. And I'm sure we've done that in other circumstances as well. Um, You know, if you're a Twilight fan, you've had a Team Jacob, Team Edward, right? Anybody? Boo. (laughs) 
I know. I was like, no one's going to like that reference, especially Steve. <laughs> Set it on fire. Burn it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, Steve. I knew you did. I did, too. I did. Audiobook, of course. But um, the Corinthians, they're, they're quarreling. They're, they're on, you know, they're like major division. And not only who they choose to lead them, but they're quarreling with each other. Paul says that they were like taking each other to court. And, and it wasn't even that that was so bad. It was the fact that they were doing it in front of non-believers, essentially destroying their witness because they're just at each other's throats. That's what was most concerning to Paul. And then he confronts their blatant immorality. And we read that all throughout the Corinthians. I mean, they are, they are saying one thing and doing another. They're saying that they're believers and, and um, they're living out this life with Jesus, but totally just doing the opposite. You know, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And all of this is causing great division in the church, and the Corinthians are filled with pride and arrogance even still, even though all of this stuff is happening. And I love Paul's gentleness and kindness. He says in response to their allegiances to the specific leaders, in chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God makes it grow. In chapter 1, just a couple chapters before, verse 13, he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Same chapter, verse 17 through 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Same chapter, verse 27 through 31. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. I think Paul's response is super humble and pushes the Corinthians into deeper relationship with Jesus. It pushes them into godly wisdom and not their own. And yet, at the same time, he acknowledges 
that they are lacking nothing, spiritually lacking nothing. Chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, I'll read it. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's acknowledging these things, right? Pushing them into deeper relationship with Jesus and acknowledging that as they need him, they also lack nothing in him. When we are called into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, he gives us all that we need, even if it doesn't feel that way. Right? Because as Paul was writing the Corinthians, he's acknowledging his own sonship as well. He was acknowledging the completed work of Christ and the freedom that comes with that, but he was literally being beaten for his beliefs, in rags, brutally treated, imprisoned, the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. How could this literally be happening and he be God's masterpiece to him and to us? How can we be this beautiful and muddy mess? It feels so contrary, right? It feels so backwards. I always think that, like, the power is in the cross. That's his most glor. If we think of God's most glorified self was on that cross, bloody mess. How can we be beautiful and muddy? Because God is the one who defines us. God defines our value. He defines our worth. That's so amazing, right? That's so beautiful. That's how the poor can still feel rich. The lowly, barely educated, can lead multitudes. The last become first. Or if you're Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. But, if you guys know that reference. But God says, the last are first. I absolutely love 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 22 through 26. I probably have quoted it, referenced it, almost every time I'm up here. But Paul says in 12, chapter 12, verse 22 through 26, he says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are that body that God put together 
all of us. This room here, each of us, each part, outside of this room, the larger church, right? We are the body that he has put together. He knows us. He loves us. He defines us. So if you resonate with being a less honorable part or scum of the earth, think on these things. And if you resonate with a more honorable part, more put together, think on these things. Right? Because all parts are necessary. All parts. We are all a part of God's kingdom, his family, his body. He put us together. So whatever part we are, right? Whatever part of the king, we are his kingdom. I don't care what part of the circle we're on. We just are because he says we are. We are his. But I, I resonate with both at times. The honorable, the dishonorable. I've been studying um, Proverbs for like the last two years. Only in chapter 17. Um, and it's been really kicking my butt because it's so easy for me to compartmentalize these verses. I don't know if anyone's read the Proverbs. They literally look like fortune cookie stamps of if you're reading, you could totally just take one, put it on your mirror, quote it every day, whatever, you know. Get rid of the ones that feel uncomfortable, you know. Well, that's what we do with scripture most of the time anyways, right? But um, it's so hard for me because they seem like these stamps. And that's why it's taken me so long is because I want to know what the whole picture is. I want to know how they connect because certainly Solomon had a purpose and certainly God had a purpose to put these together. But one of the things that I have that's come out of this um, as I'm compartmentalizing these Proverbs, it's been, it's been easy for me to say, okay, the wicked over there and the righteous over here. Like, these, some of these verses, they, I'm like, oh, that's not me. Like, that's just evil and, like, I'm righteous, right? Or to read these things to think, like, non-believer, believer, right? And so in this time, I began to ask God, how do these verses apply to me? You know, the ones that talk about all the evil in the world and all the wickedness. What wicked thing is in my heart? Do I despise wisdom? Do I look for it like buried treasure? Am I leaning on my own understanding? Am I seeking your face, Jesus, in all things? These are the questions I ask as I've been reading the Proverbs. And so naturally... This practice creeps into every other passage I read in Scripture. And so as I was reading these very familiar verses in Corinthians that we've read here time and time again, always comparing myself to the apostles doing the hard work for Jesus, you know, I am scum of the earth. I will die for the sake of the gospel. Like, I've resonated with that for so long. And so... I ask God, well, what do you see in my heart that you saw in the Corinthians? What's in me? How can this apply to me? 
Am I divisive? Am I prideful? Am I arrogant? Am I at odds with any of my brothers and sisters in this church? And the short answer is no, because I'm not defined by those things. I am a daughter of the Most High God. My inheritance is in him. It's so amazing that I'm not defined by my sin. But have I had pride in my heart? Yes, and I've been humbled. Have I been or have I had divisiveness at times because I wanted to prove myself and my worth? Mm-hmm. Have I had arrogance, thinking my ways are better? Have I not been kind or always honest with you guys? Mm-hmm. Because frankly, it's hard to be vulnerable Uh, especially when you are and then it gets thrown back in your face or held over you. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't do that, you know. Um, But we do, and that's, we're human, we do that. And so I've, I've been pondering these things, asking these questions, and I'm really glad we did have that confession thing last week. Um, we did it on various things, both as individuals and as a whole. And that kind of thing keeps going. Because as we acknowledge our muddy mess, we also acknowledge our beauty and our creator. We acknowledge our constant need for him and that in him we are truly lacking nothing. We wave our white flag and surrender to him, realizing that we were always his to begin with. So I encourage you to ponder on these things as well as I have and have honest conversations with Jesus. First know If there's anything you walk away with tonight, first know this, that Jesus never views you as scum. He will never view you as that. You are his most precious child. Second, let that love for you drive your love for others, realizing that we're all different parts of a whole, wholly connected, in Christ. If there's anything you hear tonight, let it be those two things. Maybe you're new to this. Maybe um, maybe you've been away a while and you're making your way back to Jesus. Maybe you just haven't known what to say and are going through the motions. Wherever you are, know that he's waiting for you at the table ready and delighted that you're here. Come dine with him and he with you. We're going to go into a time of communion. Um, I really just 
I really just love you guys. I love being up here. I love sharing my heart, and that's what it is, you know. Um, I don't have eloquent words or, or deeper revelations myself to share with you. I want that, but I'm not the one to do that. That's Jesus who does that, right? Just like Paul said, we plant and we water, but God makes it grow. And so that's my heart for you, is just that he would make these things grow. Um, Maddie loves to sing. So you hear her sing a lot. It's really, it's really great. Um, I also love how my grocery list is in the same notebook as my writings. I really, like, that struck me, and I wanted to share that with you, because, like, again, I spoke on this last month about the mundane, like, suffering the mundane, right? We all want these big things. I want these big things. I want Christ's power to be revealed to each of us. I want to see the blind see, the lame walk. I want to see those things, and it, he has that. He has that. The most powerful thing, though, was the bloody work on the cross, right? So, anyways, it's in it all. He's in it all. He's in my grocery list. He's in the muddy mess. We're in his hands, but that's the important thing. No matter what we look like, we're in his hands. And so, um, this communion, I really want, I think we're going to have people serve it while you play. Um, and we want to serve you. Um, so just come and dine with him. Broken the bread, his body for you, and poured out his blood on the cross for you. And he says, there's plenty of room at the table. And I just want to say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless these people. May they be overjoyed to see how you see them, how you see them. May they see others how you see them. May they be full and satisfied by you. May their cups never be empty. God, may they recognize who they are in you, their inheritance in you, their sonship, their daughtership in you. May they see and know and taste of your goodness and your kindness and your love deeper still. Amen.